Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Hope you had a, a great Monday yesterday. You know, I know it's Monday's always a drag after having a good weekend, coming from the weekend resting. So I hope you all had a great Monday. Uh, won't be a long podcast. Just going to, you know, talk about a little bit of things regarding the NCAA football season. So yesterday, the Big Ten authorities, like the athletic directors, voted 12 to 2 on canceling the season. So the two that didn't were Iowa and Nebraska. So that was a good telling of most people saying that there shouldn't be a season this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the, you know, the, the worry of outbreaks among the teams. So that was an interesting thing to see as well. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said himself that he wanted his players to play because they haven't tested positive in the last 353 tests, I believe. So it's like I said last week regarding it, it's a tough situation, especially when you had the MAC conference uh, cancel this, their season just fully. Just They just said, we're not going to play football. So that, like I said, would be a domino effect of other conferences saying, well, if the MAC is canceling, which is not a Power 5 conference, then maybe we should have to cancel as well. Uh, the SEC, the ACC haven't said anything yet. Uh, the players have both voiced their opinion on wanting to play. Most of them are saying that, hey, we can sign waivers. Uh, you even had FSU Lyman come on CNN the other day and say that he had COVID-19 and still wants to play. So most of the players, they've been working hard and they've been wanting to play. And, you know, college football is one of the best sports in the entire country to watch, you know, but... I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a confusing and a dangerous like topic and outcome because, yes, you want to see college football. Fans want to see college football. Players want to play. And, you know, when you're young and everything, you, you pro- I've had that mentality and I've been thinking, I mean, I'm only 24. I'm talking like I'm old. But still, uh, before the virus, like before the virus had an outbreak and it came, I was just like, oh, well, it's only affecting uh, so many people. Uh, it's only affecting uh, older people, you know, and then it came and hit and took my uncle. So I don't, it, it, it doesn't really hit you hard until someone you know isn't affected. At least for me, that was the case. So it, it's kind of like these players probably have to, if I get it, I'll just be sick for a couple of days. And that sometimes that's not the case because there's sometimes you have an underlying condition that you never even knew about. So like take for me, for instance, uh, I'm not trying to make this podcast about me, but I'm, I'm just using the best example. For me, I had bronchitis as a kid. So they said that could be an underlying condition because your lungs are now compromised from that, uh, from that disease that happened years ago. And I didn't even realize that could be an underlying condition. So you have a lot of players that don't even know they could have had it, and then they end up getting it, and then, uh, uh, God forbid, they end up dying, and then you have a whole other mess on your hands like I mentioned in the last in the last few podcasts so it's a very touchy topic it's a very important topic that needs to be made but and also I think the NCAA was too slow on trying to develop an actual plan I mean they had the, the I think the longest off season to prepare for this since uh it came during the spring and they had basically five to six months to try to prepare a outcome or what what they would want to do so, I think the NCA acted a little bit too slowly with trying to 
figure out a plan, figure out if they uh, wanted to put the players at risk and everything. So it it kind of falls on the NCAA's lack of leadership in that regard. And I was watching uh, Undisputed today. Oh, not Undisputed. Yeah, it was Undisputed. Uh, and they had uh, Desmond and Pollock and everything. And they said that uh, it, college football has a business. So, And we all know that. We all know that it's a business that day, the way it generates money and everything. So many people in the NCAA and many accounts are looking at this at a business standpoint and financial standpoint, looking at how much money they lose if they had to cancel the season. I mean, that's TV ratings you're losing this year. That's millions of dollars like lost and a lot of money is generated in college football so it's kind of like a touchy topic on you know you're gonna risk these kids lives just to save money which the NCAA has plenty of money itself from decades of athletes playing for them so it's 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 a kind of a hard topic it's kind of a touchy topic and I wish the NCAA had thought about this four months ago instead of having to basically <laughs> procrastinate a plan with less than a month to go before the possible season starts with, if they end up playing football. And in my opinion, from the looks of it, they're going to find a way to try to play football. So I don't know if they're going to, they're going to try to institute a bubble where only the uh, athletes are and where the athletes test and where the athletes will be uh, able to stay I don't know what they're going to implement with that. And the problem is that they're allowing students on campus. You don't know if the students that end up, if they have a class, in-person classes, you don't know if this, those students have been taking the necessary precautions at, from their home or if they're not going to parties and everything. If you're having, you know, you, you had the Lou Williams situation and you had uh, a couple of players in baseball, like with the Marlins, when they went out to a club and they're supposed to be practicing social distancing. So if grown men who are getting paid to uh, play and not have to go out and social distance, can't follow these rules. I mean, what do you think a bunch of kids who are, you know, in the 18 through 22 range are going to do? I mean, take that little sneak out, thinking nothing happened, then bam, you have a complete outbreak, which we have seen happen when with these schools having COVID parties and everything, disregarding the seriousness of the virus. But like I said, and then Trevor Lawrence voiced his opinion that was a good opinion saying, we're more at risk to go home where some people are not even following social distance than a structured environment where we have a better chance of testing negative and not being around people who aren't practicing social distancing. And as uh, one of the Mississippi State running backs, Hill, who's uh, been one, one great running back from Mississippi State, said he doesn't want to go back home because it's a negative environment anyways because uh, he comes from an impoverished area and he feels like the school is the better place to uh, get, keep his mind off things and to keep him from trouble. Same with uh, local talent, Jacob Copeland. He said that I'm not going to learn anything from the slums, so what am I going to do? I'm trying to play football and better my chance of going to the league. So a lot of these players, most of these players, want to play from the looks of it. So it's just a, it's just a subject that it will be interesting next few weeks how they're going to go about this. I, mean, I hope they make the right decision. Personally, me, I wouldn't have a season. I would just have to cancel it. I would just say, hey, we, we look, took all the measures. We thought about all the measures. But right now, it's just not safe to have college football. But that's my opinion, and that's how I feel about the situation. Of course, everyone's entitled to their opinion. If they have college football, great, because, I'm, of course, 
big college football fan here, but it also take the safety of kids' lives <laughs> more serious than a game, if that makes any sense to anybody. So we'll see how it goes in the next few weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting development, and that I'll be keeping up with, and that I'll be uh, hitting y'all up with as well, who uh, don't keep up with it as much as I do. Uh, NBA, you know, NBA Monday had a great, had a great day, you know, segue into the NBA a little bit. You know, Suns are now 6-0 in the bubble. Devin Booker's been going off. They're playing like they have a chip on their shoulder. They're, they're basically playing a, like a team that has nothing to lose. So there's nothing more dangerous than a team that has nothing to lose and just plays with heart, you know. So that was great to watch. Uh, Toronto beat the Bucks, but that was basically uh, mainly Toronto had their Toronto and Milwaukee had like their second stringers out there, you know, not trying to get the main stars hurt like Kyle Lowry and Giannis on for the Bucks, and they were they, they were just sitting and basically uh, relaxing, getting their bodies ready for playoffs next week. Uh, and then uh, Lakers and Nuggets had a down to a wire game where uh, Kyle Kuzma had a game winner. That was a I didn't really watch that game because I figured they weren't gonna have a star out, but apparently LeBron didn't play, so I was like, oh well. Dang, I missed that. But luckily, I came right at the end when Kuzma hit the three. So basically, the story read itself that the Nuggets, as a young team, kept up with the stat Lakers team. But the Lakers ended up coming up top because of uh, good coaching and from Frank Bow. That was a good, nice play that he drew up. Uh, let's see what other games were on. Uh, oh, yeah, the uh, Heat and Pacers, which was anticipated because of, you know, T.J. Warren, Jimmy Butler having that scuffle back in January. You know, and Jimmy Butler circling the calendar for March 20th before the uh, pandemic had struck. Uh, and then he apparently he it wasn't on that my national it wasn't on national television for me, so I wasn't able to watch it at all. But I just uh, kept up with the scores. And apparently uh, he had T.J. Warren and Alcatraz. Uh, T.J. Warren had 12 points and five rebounds to Butler's 19 uh, points, 10 rebounds, and I think it was five assists. So apparently uh, Jimmy Butler got the best of them. And uh, no offense to T.J. Warren, he's been playing outstanding so far. But I feel like this is another like thing of Lynn Sandy, basically when Jeremy Lin went off, you know, randomly during the NBA season. Uh, I don't wish that upon T.J. Warren. If he's a good player, he's worked hard. Kudos to him. And perhaps that's not the case. He maybe he ended up developing better and going to be a great player for them. But right now, I think we're still in that uh, Lynn Sandy phase where someone we didn't know like that ended up scoring all these points and doing amazing things. And we've seen it in basketball happen all the time. You know, a random player that nobody's heard of goes off for a couple of games or for a whole season and then falls off. Hopefully that's not in TJ Warren's case, but you know, history has a tendency of repeating itself. So, uh, 